Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you've wanted yet feared to do work that is weird, this is the show you just need to hear. Hi, I'm Sam Balter, and this is... Ooh, different. Ah, the sweet sounds of an old record, with all its crackling and pops. Only, this is a new record, and those pops you're hearing? Yeah, they're the sound of human ashes. That's right. Today's guest, Jason Leach, makes a living honoring the dead by pressing their ashes into new vinyl records. So, what's it like to live beyond the groove? Well, as Jason says, rest in vinyl. Now let's listen to them speak about their jobs, which are quite unique. Weird work. So where are you right now? I'm in Scarborough in the north, on the northeast coast of the UK. Oh yeah? So how's the weather there? It's not famous for its good weather, but we get some. <laughs> okay, so how would you describe what you do? I press um, the ashes from human remains into vinyl records. And where did you get the idea of pressing human ashes into vinyl records? It was a sort of coming together of a number of things at the same time, one of which was um, sort of very late on in my life, sort of coming to terms with the fact that um, I will actually die one day. Um, which seems shocking, but uh, and it was just as shocking, really, to me. I was, I, I was, I suppose, fortunate enough not to have experienced too many deaths around me. And um, I found when I started to consider, I, I thought it was incredible that um, I'd been so sheltered from it. And um, at the same time as I was considering this, my mother, out of the blue, got a job at a funeral director's. At that stage, I'd been making my own vinyl records for more than 15 years that's over 20 now and then um during all of this sort of going on i i, I saw on the news i believe it was hunter s thompson um someone was talking about the fact that he'd had his ashes put into fireworks which i thought was kind of cool and i thought well what would what do i want to do and um and i i just thought well what i'd like to what i certainly would like to have is a vinyl record of my great-great-grandfather, for example, um, telling me about himself and, and what he liked and perhaps the music he liked. And I just thought it would be a great way to pass something of myself on to my descendants, um, you know, possibly keep the neighbours up even when I'm gone on occasion. <laughs> um, and probably the closest thing I'll ever get to, um, to time travel. So I guess, like, what is it about audio as a way to be remembered versus, you know, a headstone, a giant statue, something like that? Well, I think this is something that can be done as well, of course, because it doesn't use all of them. But it, but it is a good point, And it's something that's close to my heart, having what I worked with sounds all my life. And I, a lot of the music I make is based on field recordings. 
And um, I've always been amazed at how powerful listening to old DAT tapes, for example, of recordings I'd done 10, 15 years ago, and just the noise in the background. You just don't notice them. You block them out normally. But when you listen back, it really transforms you back to that moment. What kind of field recordings did you make? Well, they'd be anything from going to printing presses to chopping at wood, starting a car. I mean, even so far as uh, slapping an empty banana skin on my uh, my <laughs> in my now past uh, music partner Phil, who had a bald head, and w- which I made fantastic hand clap out of actually, and I'd use those samples to build and make, and make music. Yeah, I remember this one time I saw Kronos Quartet play, and they had these yeah. field recordings of deep in the, at uh, an Arctic research station, and it yeah. was like fucking nuts because it was like chainsaws and dogs and wind in the background and it like yeah i don't know there's something i guess about audio that feels maybe more like it it puts you in that place than just looking at a picture would be i think so yeah and i think pictures are obviously there and they're sat there and they're still and audio is a period of time which i think maybe has something to do with it one of the the records we did actually Early on was um, I worked a couple of times with an Italian artist. She was called Francesca, or he's called Francesca Grilli. And um, one of the projects she did using the concept was um, she recorded a tornado, an, an earthquake and a volcano and had fantastic, very good quality recordings of these things. And um, she then got up, she had, she had found a meteorite and had that crushed. And we pressed that into the record. And then on one side had um, the three audio tracks of those sounds playing, which was quite a nice one that we did. And th- those field recordings were fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Volcano's got to be... I'd, I'd actually be scared shitless to record something like that. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know how it was done, but they, <laughs> they managed to record it. I don't know who was where when it was taken, but it was it was a good recording. So when do ashes get added into the mix? Well, the ashes get added in at the pressing stage. There's a there's a fair amount of art involved in that as well, of course, because clearly when you're making a vinyl record, the environment is set so that you don't have dust and you don't have any alien matter involved. What we're doing is adding it. So it's, it's kind of contra to what you would want to be doing. And there's obviously a, a fine line between putting in too much so that it can't be played or heard, or, you know, it's com- this audio is compromised too much, or the grooves are compromised too much, but you also want enough in there so that it can be seen. Most people still like, they like a bit of extra crackling of pops because that's that's the people in there, but you don't want so much so that it, it compromises either the audio or playability of it. So, like, I guess, like, in, uh, let's say, cups, maybe, like, how, I, I don't know, how much, how many cups is a human body and then how much of that and then you know is it like is it like two cups is a human body and then like a teaspoon goes into the record well it varies i mean there's and there's a number of factors involved obviously things like the size of people (laughs) will have a bearing on it but also how what the how they're cremated in it and in what they're cremated will have a bearing so i don't know exactly what a what it what it takes but there's there's a fair amount of ash in um in your average urn <laughs> and then and then you're just kind of like sprinkling that ash on we, yeah we use somewhere between a half 
a teaspoon and a teaspoon's worth of ash in each record. Okay, and then the more you put in, the more pops and crackles you get, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we do the way we, we make them, we do everything we can to to encapsulate them within the vinyl as best we can. But if you put if you put too much in, it will have much more effect on what you're hearing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's super. Do you have any sort of like ceremony associated with you putting those ashes into the vinyl? Um, not, not, not as such. I mean, we do it with care and respect, and um, to both to to everything, in, which includes primarily, of course, the person involved, but also the equipment and also the um, the resultant record as well. So everything's done very carefully. Each record's made individually. It's not like um, as as records are normally made, some great big production line, if you see what I mean there, each record is individual, the ash is, is added by hand, and each record is made individually, which is unusual. <laughs> so it's like the same, the same basic process. But if everybody, if everybody else is getting, like normally when you're pressing vinyl, it's out for mass distribution, right? Yeah. Is it, is it cost effective to just make one vinyl? Well, no, it's not. It's not. I mean, obviously, if you make 100,000 records and you make one record, that one record's um, unit cost goes up significantly. <laughs> so it's not the most cost-effective way of making vinyl, of course, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's special. We, we give a price for up to 30 records. Sometimes people only want one. Sometimes they want a few more. The majority of, of um, customers want between 5 and 15, I would say, is the average. And when people are coming to you to get ashes pressed, is it more often that it's the person who is going to die or is it friends and family who have the ashes? Well, when I originally came up with the concept, and, and you know, I hasten to add, it was never, ever intended to be a commercial venture I, I it was just an idea for myself I, it, you know I didn't ever expect I'd be doing it for other people <laughs> and in order to sort of explore the idea I, I I was having fun with it really because I didn't like thinking about it <laughs> so the original site was kind of kind of jokey it was full of puns it was a bit dark and fun you know it had it had uh, the Grim Reaper, but instead of the um, the scythe, it was a record needle. You know, um, an auto autophon actually was the make of the needle, but that was changed to mortophon. And um, you know, it's just got puns on it, and it's like live on from beyond the groove and um, rest R.I.V. You know, resting vinyl. I was having fun with it while sort of working out how it might work, and um, it was actually that site that got. It got picked up on um, pretty much straight away and and went crazy. And, and I tried really ignoring it for a long time, despite the fact I'd put it in my wheel that that's what I was going to do. And um, it got to the point where I thought, I can't, I can't leave this. It's insisting itself of me. So um, I thought, right, I'll give it a go because so many people were showing interest. And um, now that's what I'm doing and I, <laughs> I can't quite believe it. So you like you had no it you were just like when I die I want somebody who knows how to press my ashes into vinyl. Yeah, I had to work. I had to. I I knew. I obviously I've been making. I've I've made over fifty myself of my own music over the years. So I I know it. So it wasn't a problem with that. But I had to know how to make it simple for my 
for my family, close family, to be able to arrange it for me. So I had to go through the the process of how would I leave it simple for them to do it. And um, by doing it, I basically had written an unintended business model, which um, seemed to seemed to strike a chord with people. When people, the first people who started coming to you, did they have ashes ready? Yeah, sorry, you, you, that's what you asked. I, I went off on one, um, <laughs> but yes, basically. So basically, it was the the idea was that you plan it for yourself. But what has actually happened? Although we are working with a number of people who are planning them, the great thing about it being that obviously, once you've established what it is you want, which I'll come to in a minute, because that's not so easy. But once you have, you actually get a finished, you get a pressing with a with a sleeve, as it will be, because we will have everything ready. But everything will be made, everything would be mastered. The re- you'd even have a copy of the record that you're going to feature in one day, <laughs> um, fit with the sleeve and everything done, everything ready. So the fact is, it's all done. So the relatives only need to contact the place, um, whether it be their local pressing plant, because it could all be there, or whether it be us, however they want to do it. But the fact is, the majority of the records we've made have been for people who have either either knew about us before they passed away um, and said that's what they wanted to do, or more often than not, it's people who, who already had the ashes of a loved one or a family member or a friend and just said they knew they would absolutely have loved this and they didn't know what they wanted to do um, with the ashes and they'd been sat there in their cupboard under the stairs and they felt bad about it and, um, and they thought it'd be a great way for all of their friends and family to have something to remember them by. And so like, let's say I'm coming in and I'm like, I would love my ashes pressed into a record when I die. Yeah. What, what do we have a consultation together? Do we talk through this thing? Like what happens next? What I try to do is to say, look, these are, these are all the sort of things that you can do. And the list gets longer because the majority of people we speak to come up with brilliant new ideas all the time. Um, and then we also always try to encourage having as much spoken word on there as they can of them talking because it's the most profound thing to have on a record um, with you in it is your own voice telling people about yourself perhaps or what you liked or where you liked or the music you liked everyone automatically thinks about the music they'd like and that's totally valid and is often used Um, but we do promote as much as possible that they include spoken word and even when people have already have the ashes and that they may not have recorded um have recordings of these people talking they may have some home video or footage on their phone for example where there is speaking on there so we remind them that they might have it even though they don't think they do and even voicemail things like that because although it's very difficult for perhaps a family early on and they don't like to maybe or they you know it makes them sad to hear their voices but after a while it's the best part of the record for the family that's left and the friends because you know there's something quite amazing about hearing someone's voice in a room they're still moving the air it still sounds like them and it's uh, quite a powerful thing to leave really wait, wait what do you mean they're still moving the air well, I mean, if if you've got yourself recorded on a record speaking and you're played in 300 years' time, your voice is moving the air in the room where people are listening to it. So it's it's quite physical in a way because sound is air moving and, and vibration and, and um, to have 
your voice engraved in a record, a needle bouncing around in it, and your voice coming out, and your maybe your great 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 grandchildren hearing your voice is is quite powerful. Is there is there any music where somebody or things audio that somebody has wanted on there that you've been like, that's a terrible idea? Like if somebody was like, it was like, I just want Backstreets back on repeat for this entire well, record would you be like no i'm not even doing that well no i mean some people sort of sort of say well they think they want them just laughing on a closed loop at the end but i mean if that's what they want that you know <laughs> why not so whatever they want you'll yeah. throw it in okay well as long as they as long as it's their audio and they've 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 acquired it by the legitimate means they can put anything it's up to them what they put on there My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Let's circle back and talk about death. Okay. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you, when you were getting into this, it was like your, your mother got a job at the funeral home and you were thinking a lot about your own mortality. Yeah. Like how old were you? Wh- what do you mean by that exactly? Well, it's, a bit, it's embarrassing really, but I, I was 37 by this stage and I, I hadn't really ever really ever thought about it in any depth at all I, I guess I pushed it out of my mind and people don't tend to discuss it very much and unless you've been unfortunate enough to experience it a lot I think in at least in in the world I know in the UK where I brought I, and all the people I know we're very sheltered from it all I know that my my grandparents who lived in a little village in Switzerland were very involved when people died in the village. Everyone knew about it. Everyone was around. You'd, you'd see the person. You know, it was it was something the whole community was involved in. And and now it's very much that you you don't talk about it in front of children, and you 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 block their ears if you like, and wait till they've gone to bed. And I was I was amazed how how little I'd thought about it, and it was um, kind of shocking really for me to to realise that. And so, yeah, I mean, it really, really, that—that's what it was. And I, and I, and I just hadn't thought about it. I hadn't written a will. I hadn't. I just thought that that's not. I, obviously, I knew it would happen to me, but I didn't think it was going to be any time soon. Um, it certainly wasn't something I wanted to think about. And when I did bring it up and spoke to other people about it, most people didn't want to even talk about it. 
you know, oh, that's dark. Let's not talk <laughs> about that. You know, and it's like, well, you know, it's going to happen <laughs> to all of us. Why Why not? You know, maybe maybe it will be good to. So I was just amazed what what a closed shop it was when it's when it's waiting for everyone. And sorry if this is a personal question, but are you are you religious at all? Um, not, um, not, not classically. Yeah. Cause <laughs> that's I, a way of saying it. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I certainly believe in something. I don't know what it is. I, I don't believe in any particular religion, but I can't believe that there's not some kind of reason for everything. Something's something started all this. Don't know what it was. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know. Part, like I'm not a particularly religious person either, but I feel like death is a big part. You know, like like if you're if you're Catholic, like you are talking about death pretty regularly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think this has changed the way you think about death? Um, It's given me a load more faith and respect in the human race by how amazingly I'm just so impressed and humbled by how strong and brilliant people are when they're very sad you know and they're they're in the process of grieving and and I don't know I think it's just given me it's probably given me more it's given me more optimism actually and and I mean it's a bit of a cliche but if you're if you think about these things more actually rather than being a depressing thing it actually makes you think well hang on a minute I've got to make the most of this because it does happen and um, it makes you start, perhaps start, you know, respecting what you've got, appreciating what you've got and making the most of what you've got a lot more. Yeah. And I, yeah. No, that's that's a very, very beautiful sentiment like, associated with it. Are there any records or, or vinyls that stick out in your mind as like particularly beautiful ones you've pressed? My favorite one is, is one with pure speaking on it. And it was... Um, an old chap who who had had his mother's ashes for some time, maybe 15 years or so, and he brilliantly recorded her um, before she became very unwell. He, they, I think mini-discs had just come out, so that sort of tells you when it was. And he, he spent a few hours speaking to her and asking her about when he was young, when she was young, about his father, about his different relatives, just basically the family history. And um, he got hours of this. It was fantastic material. And I sat with him and we we edited it, edited it down into two sides of vinyl record. And for me, that was the best one because it's so such a brilliant family record. You know, it's the perfect thing to for him to leave for his daughters and beyond. And it, for me, was the essence of what this all is. How many minutes do you have on a record available? It really depends what you're putting on there. It does have a make it. If you're putting heavy beat music, for example, you're going to have, you're going to be able to fit less on than if it's just speaking. So for example, if you go from, for a 12 inch vinyl, if you want a loud club record, you don't want to be putting any more than 12 minutes maximum on one side. But You'll know, you know, classic albums, for example, might be more like 20, 25 minutes. And if you're just having as um, somebody speaking, you could probably get up to 30 minutes on a side. I would say generally for an Anne Vinely record, you're, you're looking at between 15 and 25 minutes, probably, depending on what you're putting on there or per side. Hmm. 
No, that's really interesting. I, I didn't I actually had no idea that how loud it was and what it sounds like actually determines how much space you have yeah. available. Yeah, it does. It, it makes a difference to the, 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 the size of the grooves and, and therefore how tight you can have the grooves, etc. So it all has a bearing. And I mean, I think about cremation in general, you know, like my in my mind, the cremation is like you're standing by the beach or a cliff or you're in the woods and you throw the ashes up into the air and they all disappear. And yeah. the ceremony seems to sort of be to me about like letting go. Yeah. Does it kind of contradict, I guess, in some ways, why you would be cremated in the whole ceremony of letting go by embedding it into an album? Possibly. It could definitely be seen that way. I mean, the thing is, uh, um, a lot of the people that we've um, done this for have actually done that. They've scattered ashes, but they've also made some records as well. Um, it's not an either or. Um, but yes, your point is totally valid. And I guess if people see it that way, then it wouldn't be for them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. If you don't want to, if you want, don't want your ashes remembered or put into things, just throw them off the cliff with everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what at this moment would you have on your vinyl? Yeah. Well, it's, it's probably the hardest thing to do is to decide what you would want to have on there. Um, and mine is, um, it's an ongoing process like living itself and it will be what it is when the time comes. Um, and it will be too late to change it by then. <laughs> um, but, um, it will certainly have some of my, a bit of my music on it. It will definitely have some of my, me speaking on it. That changes regularly. It would have some of my daughter's uh, um, voice on there as well. I, I would have um, a recordings of places that I like. Sometimes where there's places that I like and enjoy being, I, I record them with my microphone, you know, and um, I try to capture what I feel is that place. So it would be a mixture of, of all the things that you could put on there, which I'd like to at best, I think, best sum me up at that time. And as, as you can imagine, that changes regularly. And it will be a bit, there'll be a bit of artistic control um, license, as it were, given to my next of kin as well, because my other problem is I've got far too much. I think it would be like a box set, a <laughs> 10 times box set at the moment. So, um, <laughs> so, so yours is going to be like five, like five records with like yeah, different players. Least, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But is it, at least. is it weird? Like, you know, let's say you're at, I don't know, you know uh, like your daughter's piano recital or something. Are, is it weird? Is there a part where you're like, oh my God, this is so beautiful so such an amazing moment i should record this in case i die like yeah well that you always miss those you know if you've got the mic on it never happens and if 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 you're thinking i should be recording it you're probably missing the moment and um so i try not to do that because then i'm um, spoiling <laughs> the spoiling the now <laughs> but but i've got a lot of those by mistake which i didn't realize which is great you know and i listen out for these moments just the considering what i'll put on my record has made me enjoy myself more, if you see what I mean. Having that in my mind that I'd like to, to make sure I do get moments that are special has made me look out for them more and realize how many there are. No, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I just want to say, like, thank you so much for doing this interview. This was, 
I feel like a lot happier than I thought I was going to be at the end of this interview. Like I thought, <laughs> oh, like I, I thought, like I was going to come out of this like feeling depressed and that my life was a waste. Uh, but no, I feel like really good. Uh, I I think everything you talked about about it making you more optimistic about the world itself is I don't know. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment. Okay. Ha! Look, it's me again. You thought it was over. I'll give you one guess what I'm about to ask. Oh, yeah. It's to subscribe to this podcast. If you do, I'll love you forever. Unless your name's Ira Glass. Okay, thanks. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.